Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches, an expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. Episode three already. Um, it is just me here today. Um, I'm going to be talking about some pretty cool scientific stuff um, in general. It's going to be the science behind fat loss. So before we delve deeper into the you know the science, the nitty gritty physiology and the biochemistry behind um, some of the hormones in particular um, behind fat loss, it's important to note that there is no shortcut to fat loss. I can t- trust me. I've tried, and and I've tried with clients as well. You know, and and, and often we are bombarded with fad diets with no real scientific backing whatsoever no real substance. Um, Although that being said, fat loss really isn't that difficult um, or it's not as complicated as, you know, as the media portrays it to be. And obviously, of course, if you have someone selling a product that is quite niche, um, it's often more beneficial for them to kind of build it up as like a massive issue. Stick to the basics. You know, we're going to talk in serious detail about the physiology, you know, the molecular biochemistry of fat loss, but the basis remains the same that generally, you know, if you're in a consistent calorie deficit for a sustained period of time, you're more often than not going to see results. You know, so that being said, obviously, we're going to delve a little deeper um, into the biochemistry behind it um, and, you know, on that topic, I just want to, I suppose, highlight um, a relevant quote from uh, from from a colleague, a friend of mine, um, Phil Lerney, um, and, and and his quote was, "Nutrition is just an applied form of biochemistry." You know, it really is. I mean, we can go as 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 deep as you like. Um, you know, with my you know eight, nine, ten years of 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 biochemistry behind me, even now, I. I, I see some of the literature that's coming out and a lot of it is very, very complicated. Um, but my job today is to try and, I suppose, translate that across to you guys in layman's terms, um, you know, to try and get across the general points, um, especially of some of the hormones that we're going to speak about today. So I suppose the first one, um, you know, and, and the one that gets talked about quite a lot, especially in terms of carbohydrate diets is insulin. So, you know, insulin is paramount when we talk about fat burning. It really is. You know, um, insulin takes charge of, you know, managing your hormonal state, you know, your natural fluctuations between a state of regeneration and degeneration. Um, of course, you know, genetics and individual hormonal balance, you know, affects how well insulin is managed in the body at a basal level. But that being said, obviously your environment and your diet um, can influence this even further. But being able to regulate and manage insulin is, is what's massively important. That's what I try and get across to my clients. Um, and obviously that requires stabilizing blood sugar levels um, almost down to a science, um, you know. And just, well, first of all, what is insulin? You know, uh, so insulin is a fat storing hormone, you know, of, well, isn't it? Like, you know, you pick up a biochemistry and uh, a biochemistry book and it, you're, you're told straight away it's a fat storing hormone. However, you know, what you need to know is, you know, there are two enzymes responsible for um, fat gain or fat loss, um, you know, LPL um, and HSL. 
So lipoprotein lipase um, and, and hormone um, sensitive lipase. In short, you know, LPL is associated with fat tissue, um, you know, and, and, and it is activated by insulin essentially. It works by stripping fat um, from triglycerides. So, you know, fats are obviously made up of of, um, of a triglyceride, for example. Um, you know, there's a glycerol molecule and three fatty acids. So it, it, it's responsible for stripping those down and breaking those down, you know, and allowing those fatty acids to be stored around the body. Um, obviously, that's, you know, well documented. We know this um, in, in, in terms of that process. However... Um, insulin suppresses HSL, which is the other hormone or the other, um, you know, enzyme, you know, responsible for, um, you know, fat gain and fat loss. But HL, on the other hand, does the exact opposite. So HSL um, strips fatty acids from the triglycerides, basically enable them to be burned um, as energy. In essence, insulin is a what I like to call a storing and locking hormone. It can store fat, you know, if it's present. Um, it also reduces fat release, so it's quite important to you know to state that you know it is not just um, responsible for um, for stripping down fat as well. So you know this is exactly why you know if you see you guys may have may have tried this before when you're on a low calorie diet, for example, you know you can um, people who are like seriously insulin resistant, it can it can cause havoc, you know, often causing a lot of um, muscle tissue loss. You know, instead of fat loss, um, very often excessive weight rebound. You know, unsatiable cravings. You can correct me on that one. I think it's insatiable cravings. Um, basically, you're you're you know you you just go nuts in terms of craving food. Obviously, we will talk later about leptin and ghrelin as well. Um, you know, but even after um, you know insulin affects um, the freeing up of of these fat cells. Once the fat arrives at the actual cell itself, you know, ready to be burned, insulin also, um, you know, interrupts that rate limiting step at which, you know, the, this fat burning process is called. Let me go. Carnitine palmyotransferase 1, I think. Um, I just call it CPT1. Um, you know, and, and, and essentially, you know, that's the enzyme that's responsible for, for the actual fat burning process or the rate limiting step of that, of that reaction. Um, you know, so already you can see how clear it is you know and, and how important it is that insulin metabolism um, has in, in terms of fat loss or, or fat storage um, so yeah, as you can imagine you know all of those things um, you know in, in, in terms of like you know this weaving complex of hormones already um, you know and then you add hunger hormones in there inflammatory compounds brain chemistry um, you know, into the mix, and all of a sudden you've got like a concoction of just um, you know unregulated hormones, and um, your body just is, is completely out of whack. Um, obviously, what I do with my clients is it is tailored, of course, but the principles remain the same. Obviously, as I as I become a better coach and and, and educate myself, you know, weekly. I think I always have different approaches, you know, and, and as I develop as a coach. You know, I'm better able to kind of distinguish whether a client may need, you know, a carbohydrate-rich diet, um, or you know, maybe more of a, a ketogenic diet. Even though I don't like the the word 
ketogenic diet it's not i always try and have some form of carbohydrates um at some uh, there will be exceptions of course um but generally i feel like especially in terms of what my niche is in terms of you know metabolic shift i feel like carbohydrates are massively important and obviously you know that feeds into the whole insulin pathway so the next hormone obviously and and this is one that is going to shock some of you guys is cortisol um so obviously cortisol cortisol is a lot more difficult um but it's probably one of the the most widely misunderstood hormones in the human body so tying back into what we just spoke about um cortisol also blocks um lpl but and, and stimulates um hsl um so contrary to what pop um to, to, to popular belief or what people think cortisol um can be a fat burning hormone as well but it can also be a fat storing hormone um obviously which of these pathways predominates the other is generally determined by other hormone influences um that take part um you know for example cortisol with high level of growth hormone testosterone um, endogenous or exogenous um, depending on, on on the athlete or, or the or the individual results in fat burning whereas cortisol with you know with a lot of insulin um primarily um results in in fat storage um but yeah so leading back in you can see how all these link in together like cortisol interrupts um insulin metabolism um generally speaking um by causing the body to to make even more insulin um, and obviously then it's just a vicious cycle um so you, the misconception that the cortisol is bad of course you know if, if you're stressed you release cortisol and it has a negative effect but you know it, it plays a role it plays a role and i think as as the years especially you know the last three or four years in in the fitness industry and and, and with coaches becoming more educated on, on the biochemistry they can actually see the positives for for cortisol of course you know if you're if you're a bodybuilder or you're trying to grow muscle obviously we say inflammation is bad but you need some form of inflammation you need some form of stress you need some form of cortisol um some of you guys will know um ben pokolsky who's a an ifbb pro and he talked um you know extensively about the the difference between recovering better um or or adaptive response so if you okay on one hand you can recover better more efficiently but you're less likely to adapt if you make it um if you facilitate that recovery process so you can you can you can see the kind of flip side of the coin um especially with these hormones of course one of the most obvious is is your thyroid hormones um most of you already know you know how how critical these are um in terms of regulating your basal metabolic rate um you know, when you look at um, the average Western diet with three large meals, you know, the evening meal normally, of course, is is the largest or, um, you know, is, is, is the one that is the, the highest, um, generally speaking, the highest carbohydrate um, intake and, and the highest calories. Um, you know, so the thing about your thyroid hormones is they weave in depth in, in into you know leptin and ghrelin and, and and how a lot of those go and you know if um you say those three large meals you know do not meet calorific requirements um which which generally happens here is that you know leptin will decrease um you know uh, as will ghrelin um in terms of your appetite um, simulating hormones um, and the result of all these hormonal changes you know is uh, irritable hunger um you know the struggle to lose body fat um you know on a low calorie diet um 
in summary, of course, you know, if you're not getting enough kind of nutrients in, your muscle will be used as a fuel source. Um, naturally, obviously, the, the physiological response every time, um, you know, someone eats thyroid hormones, you know, raise your metabolic rate, uh, which causes heat generation. Um, you know, and, and for those of us who, who regulate, you know, I suppose that what we'll say is the average um, metabolic rate successfully, overeating will obviously lead to um, to a noticeable increase in body temperature. Um, you know, if, if this isn't you, and and then perhaps you know the time of a cheat meal isn't appropriate um, for most of us. Continuous binging and overeating will, will eventually lead to the burnout of the, of your thyroid hormones. As, of course, if you're putting these under stress all of the time, you know this is again an indication of of you know, underactivity within these hormones. So it is important to to be aware of these things. I'm not expecting you to know, you know, what you know, diamond or um, you know, neuropeptide Y increases or, or or what gets stimulated by leptin and ghrelin and things like that. But having a, a little bit of an awareness um about some of these hormones and and and, and that they're not all as, as as bad as they're made out to be. However, overeating is not um you know, untold calories, um, we'll say, say per meal, you know, contrary to a lot of, you know, flexible dieting beliefs, 3000 cal- calories is not 3000 calories. Um, and it is really important how they're dispersed, you know, what the, what, what the macronutrients are. For example, you know, if you put you know, clients on a diet that exceeds their previous cal- um, calorific intake, but increasing the amount of meals, um, depending on, um, may often lead to um, to fat loss depending on what the macronutrient profile of these meals are. Um, the time of these macronutrients, the combinations of each of these is essential. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll probably touch in a little in, in, in a later podcast about nutrient timing in particular because nutrient timing is massively important. I believe, you know, and the scientific literature proves that. Um, but you know that kind of leads us on to leptin. So we we spoke about hun- hunger hormones already, and you know what is leptin? Um, for some of you guys will know, but um, you know it essentially leptin is a hormone secreted from fat tissue, basically. Um, you know, and, and and it plays an integral part in, in obviously the regulation of hunger um, and your ability to um, your your feelings of satiety. Like all, all hormones, um, leptin has a, has a variety of functions, although obviously the, pr- the primary and, and the one we're most, um, most interested in, um, relevant to us, is, is it actually regulates fat cell size. You know, so the mechanism of action following the release of leptin from fat cells, basically a signal is sent to the brain, um, basically to reassure the body, yeah, you know, the adequate food has been received and now it's time to put the knife and fork down, um, you know, for this reason. Obviously, leptin is extremely important when, when you talk about regulating, you know, fat loss, albeit indirectly. Um, obviously, there are, you know, different things that are going to affect your, your leptin le- um, levels. Fasting, exercise, you know, your body composition, you know, overfeeding. You know, just to just, just to briefly mention, like, some of those. Obviously, body composition-wise, for example, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, fat cell size um, is important. But, you know, fat cells secrete insulin um sorry uh leptin um you know and, and therefore the lower percentage of body fat you have you know the the less of this appetite suppressing hormone gets secreted obviously it's important that you know higher body f- um, fat percentage will generally have an elevated leptin concentrations um you know which is um is expects um expected to be um or to have a link with um leptin resistance 
So obviously, you know, insensitivity is caused um, by the brain, you know, becoming insensitive to the hormone itself, obviously drastically reducing its ability to affect your hunger and satiety. And, you know, if that's out of whack, then you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So obviously, of course, you know, the the leaner you get, the more efficient the regulation of these hormones are. And, and I say that about this, I said that about leptin, but that's very common with, with most hormones. You know, if you have have a, a well-oiled efficient machine um then it's going to run better you know and that's just that's just um well that's pretty obvious of course um but yeah obviously fasting exercise and overfeeding um will all play a role um in terms of in terms of leptin levels you know if you if you delve deep into exercise you know we all know that exercise burns calories of course and, you know, will lead to weight loss um, and therefore body fat store reductions. Um, but, you know, not a lot of us will take into account, you know, overall body mass, including fast fat tissue impacts your total daily energy expenditure. Um, you know, so even if you're if you're losing weight, then to some degree, obviously, your your um, your basal metabolic rate is going to decrease. Um, what I'll try to say to a lot of my clients is, especially in the first few weeks of their of their of their program of course because of the way we structure food and the way we structure carbohydrates they're actually kind of i say growing tissue but you know they're they're facilitating growth um in the muscle tissue increasing their glycogen stores you know pulling water into the muscle cells um you know increasing the the sarcoplasm of of of, of each muscle cell in particular um therefore they will increase in you know the the weight or, or the volume or the mass of, of of those muscle cells um and then obviously the scales are going to go up they will be losing body fat as well so you know the overall net change may not be much different for the first few weeks that being said because they have added more we'll say muscle tissue um to their frame their basal metabolic rate is going to increase as well um you know so it, it, it is important to take a lot of these things into consideration. You know, you don't need to know the, the, the biochemistry behind it or, or the metabolic pathways that underpin all of these things, but it's important to have an idea about what's going on. Um, the one thing I always get asked about, really, in, in relation to satiety and, and hunger is, is, you know, cheat meals. Yeah, um, and this is probably something I'll, I'll, I'll cover extensively. Um, but basically, I have some rules. Like, I have some rules with my clients and... Generally, you know, if your body fat is in excess of, say, like 25%, then I'll rarely allow cheat meals, I think. Um, it's it's unlikely that you'll need one, you know, physiologically. It's it's from a psychological point of view, whether it's it's going to be more beneficial or detrimental, and that depends on the client. Um, you know, then for clients who maybe are between the 15 to 25% range, I'll probably issue a cheat meal every, like, two to three weeks, obviously depending on, on psychological factors around their nutrition, um, but then again, it is, it's still not, you know, hugely necessary. Um, it's more, more so from a psychological, um, approach. However, if you've got, you know, athletes or, or, or clients that, you know, are around the, I suppose, 10% range, um, we'll structure in a refeed, um, which is obviously, a um, what I say, it's a, it's a less guilty form of a cheat meal. It's obviously, we regulate what foods are, um, going to be optimal, um, you know, and, and, uh, and and kind of monitor that process. Although there are things that I'll do even if a client's having a cheat meal. Generally speaking, we'll try um, and have a low carb day the day afterwards, um, you know, really to try and even out their calories. Um, it's a great way to boost your me- me- metabolism and obviously 
um, adds an extra edge to, to carb cycling. I personally, if, if I am having a low carb day the next day, it's generally a rest day. That being said, I will normally try and get a lot of my cardio for the week done and really just ramp up my metabolism to overdrive and taking full advantage of that. You know, um, a cheat meal, like well, people ask me all the time, like, what can I have? Well, you know, it depends. How lean are they? You know, um, are they due a cheat meal or have they requested one? And like, when it comes down to cheat meals or refeeds, a lot of that to me, for for the vast majority of my clients, you know, that um, just want to get in good shape, it, it's it's trying to tackle it, but make sure that um, all the psychological aspects of a cheat meal are covered. You know, we know the effect it's going to have on, on, on leptin, ghrelin, you know, cortisol, you know, with, with specific inflammation. We know what's going to happen with insulin, obviously, if it's high carbohydrate, which generally, generally without giving too much away, it is. Um, you know, and knowing how these hormones are going to be affected is what's important. Um, but the psychological aspect is is often overlooked. You know, if a client is going to have you know, a refeed or a cheat meal and they're going to feel guilty for days afterwards and they're going to starve themselves or you know, binge or just, you know, they're going to just feel guilty, then, then it's not wise to have your, it's not wise to have, have, um, have your client, um, client do that. So I will be really specific with, um, you know, with, with each client, you need to be, you know, and if you, if you have a blanket thing that your coach is putting, you know, all their, um athletes on x y and z on a specific day and because it fits in and it's easier for the coach then you need to kind of sit down and and have a think about what you're doing with um you know with that coach or is he just being lazy you need to very often i will i will make sure i will discuss with a client beforehand what they're able to have i will get them to take a photo um, of what they actually eat and send them over when they check in you know uh, along with everything else that they check in so um very often I may ask them to increase their step count the next day and ask them to send, you know, their, their, their Fitbit pro, um, progress or their, their, their iPhone step count over to me the next day as well. Um, you know, I track to make sure their activity is high the next day and things like that. And, you know, their water intake needs to be increased and there's loads of different things. I think I'll talk in a little bit more detail about, about cheat meals, but the most important thing is the effect they have on hormones, ghrelin, leptin, insulin, cortisol, and the cortisol isn't really that bad. Um, obviously, the effect your 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 thyroid is is going to have on um, your your basal metabolic rate and, and and vice versa. And as you can see, a lot of these hormones are intertwined. A lot of these hormones, um, like anything in the body, um, you know, upregulates or downregulates or has a negative feedback loop. Um, a negative feedback loop is basically if you're if your body senses that there is, you know, enough of X, Y, or Z, then, you know, it, it basically regulates itself. So it, it, it drops the production of, of that hormone in particular, if, if it senses there's enough of that in the bloodstream. So, you know, having a, 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 a generic um, or a, a general basis of, of these hormones is what's important. Obviously, we can go into more detail further down the line um, into the biochemistry side of things or the specifics, but I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a good kind of base in terms of fat loss. And we'll say endocrinology, although I'm not an endocrinologist, um, obviously my endocrinology is good, um, you know, the biochemistry behind it. But 
I hope that's been of interest. Um, I hope that's been useful. Most importantly, to, to apply it. Like, it's one thing taking in all this information and saying, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast and oh, Chris is talking about X, Y, and Z. I'm going to learn a bit of this or I'm going to read this book or I'm going to do that. Or What's important is that you you use that information, that you can translate that across, um, you know, and you can integrate that into what you're doing um, and make the most of it. So have a think about, you know, some of these hormones, how they may affect you, you know, cheat meals and things like that. Of course, as always, if you have any questions, you guys know where to find me, you know, send me a DM on Instagram. Um, I reply to every single one, um, you know, send me an email, chrisspearmanfitness at gmail.com. Um, check out for my weekly, you know, scientific blogs. Um, if you click the link in my bio on Instagram and scroll all the way down to the bottom, you will see my weekly scientific blogs, which they're, they're fully scientifically referenced. Um, and yeah, just hit me up if, if you've listened to this and you, you've enjoyed it, um, you know, then, then send me over a, a message on Instagram. Um, let me know your thoughts, what you want to see next. Um, I've got a pretty exciting um the podcast next um um, Derek Corley is a WBFF pro now gym owner um and a good mate of mine uh we go way back so we're going to be talking all things um I suppose fitness um fitness model cover modeling owning a gym things like that and uh that's going to be interesting so um stay tuned for that I'm really excited to have Dara on board um other than that guys have an awesome day Have a productive day. Make it a good one. You're not going to get this day again.